0: No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the Gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Death no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Let's get excited and get into the word. Let's pray. I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. I pray that your word would be revealed to me today, in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are the hero, sorry, you can be the hero the world is searching for. You can be that hero, or you could not be the hero that the world is searching for. The choice is yours. We spoke the first week about someone needs to speak up. Someone needs to speak truth to power. Someone needs to go out into the world and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them needs to go out and speak about what Romans 8.37 says. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Someone needs to go out and speak to people about the fact that nothing can separate them from the love of God. Nothing in this life, nothing in the spiritual realm, nothing in the next life, nothing in the past. Nothing in the future, nothing in the present, absolutely nothing can separate them from the love of God. Someone needs to confront the evil kings in the world with the confidence of God. Someone has to go out into the world with a prophetic uh, voice from God. saying, this is what the Lord wants you to do. Someone needs to confront the evil of our day, Not the things that we get offended by. The things that God says are evil. If no one confronts it, it will never change. Evil never stops unless it's confronted. And then when we start confronting, we realize that the power that's against us is great. And that's when you need to realize that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, especially when you pray. Nothing is achieved without prayer, because nothing is achieved without the power of God. And when Elijah went and he challenged the king of his day, he went with the confidence of God because he had a relationship with God. When he asked God to come and to burn the altar, he prayed, and God answered his prayer. And God answered his prayer because he was doing what the, the Lord wanted him to do. He was fulfilling the will of God. And then what happened was that after this massive victory, he had challenged the king of the nation with 400 false prophets that were there, 400 prophets of Baal. He had confronted the army of Israel. He had confronted the people of Israel. And through the power of God, he brought the power of the enemy down. And then what happened was that an evil woman brought terror to a man who would seen the power of God. What evil woman causes God to fall apart? How much demonic power must have been around her that a man of God had faced out a nation all of a sudden now you've got afraid. have got afraid that he ran away. And then when Elijah ran away, we saw that it's in the secret place where God will speak to our hearts and to his warfare. But listen to what Matthew chapter 6 verse says. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father receives what is done in secret will reward you. How much of your life are you living without spending time with the Lord? Without knowing what his will is, without doing what he wants you to do, and doing it in his power. He doesn't want you to do it on your own. He wants you to do it in his power how real is the power of god to you and when i say the power of god i'm not talking about your emotions the power of god is reflected in tangible things that happen like when elijah went and he called down fire from heaven to light up an altar that's the power of god someone being healed someone coming to know christ But Elijah, when he's threatened by Jezebel, the evil queen of Israel, he gets into a state of depression. And you know, sometimes people who are in the battle, who are close to God, can get into a state of depression in the midst of the battle when it feels like things are overwhelming them. And what I want to talk to you today is about overcoming the depression in the battle. But I'll, before we talk about the depression, one of the things that I've come to realize in counseling people over the years that have depression is that many times those who are struggling with depression, the, 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 one of the big reasons why they're struggling is that everything is about themselves. And yeah, the challenge is for many Christians, everything is about themselves. We sing songs like, oh, I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender everything to you, Lord. If you surrender everything, what do you do when you read something in the Bible that says you need to adjust something in your life? I want you to think about something that's happening right now. It broke out this thing. There's a war in a place called the Ukraine. Many people in South Africa know about this, but there's many people in South Africa who are not even aware that in a city called Kiev, which is probably a city in many ways similar to Johannesburg, Right now, bombs are going off, bullets are being shot. And there was this one video I saw with a, it was obviously a boy, he was riding his bike. And I don't know, some sort of missile, some sort of bomb, or something went off. And you saw the bike lying a little way. you saw his leg sticking out, someone had covered him with a blanket, and there was just over there, there was a car that was destroyed. And that is the reality of what's going on there. People are dying. And yet, yeah, we are sitting all comfortable. We're sitting all comfortable, soaking in our own lives, and many times making up problems that don't even exist in our lives. Feeling bad, feeling distraught, having questions, having arguments in our heads that aren't even really issues. I promise you now, if you sit down and think about it, how many of your issues would be issues if bullets were flying around the streets of Johannesburg right now, as what is going on in here? if you're looking out over the city and next thing one of the buildings, maybe the Colton Center blows up how many of your problems that you have right now would still be a problem in that regard and then I want to tell you there's an even bigger problem that many believers are doing nothing about and that is the fact that every believer is in a world full of people around them that do not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 verse 32 and 33 says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown me before my Father in heaven. I want to ask you, do the people at work, do the people at school or at university, do they know about your truth? What do they know about your truth? Now when we're talking about acknowledging before the Father, what exactly is Jesus talking about? Well, the first thing you notice you in if inside of the life of Jesus is that Jesus is the only human being that from the moment He was born, from the second that He came out of the womb, He knew what His mission on the earth was. His entire life, Jesus knew His mission. Even when He was 12 years of age, He went into the temple. His parents, they left Jerusalem after going for a celebration there and they didn't realize for, for, for about a day that he wasn't there and then they hurried back and they found him in the temple and they were complaining, Where have you been? You just disappeared on us. And he said, I was about my father's business. Jesus knew why he, he was on the earth from the moment he was born what was his heart therefore? His heart was for the redemption of souls and the redemption of human souls was so important to Jesus that he was willing to go to the cross, he was willing to die on the cross, he was willing to shed every drop of his blood at the cross of Calvary for the redemption of souls, for your soul, for my soul and for the souls of the whole earth where would we be without that? you look at the life of Jesus in extraordinary ways he made the most of every single situation he faced and everything he did was completely innovative the things he did were out of the ordinary he did things no one else had ever done before but if you look at Jesus absolutely everything that he did was for the salvation of souls how important was the salvation of souls for Jesus it was so important that he left his throne of glory. He left his throne in heaven and became a man to teach us his truth in our language in a way that we can get it, in a way that we can understand it. At the start of his ministry, he chose 12 men and he formed those men, men from different social classes, men from different places, men from different backgrounds, men who had different sins, he formed those men so that they could meet the needs of the multitude. He didn't just form them so they could have a nice time with Him. He didn't just form them so they could have an emotional experience with Him. He formed them so that they could meet the needs of the multitude. And His evangelistic work concluded with His death. He cried out the word, "It is finished and He died. And then, if that was the end of the story, This would be the end of us. But no, he was resurrected. He came up from the grave. And I remember when I was growing up, there was a English to sing in church, and it went like this. Up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph over his foes. Amen. His foes being his enemies. And shortly before he ascended into heaven, he delegated, listen to me, he delegated his authority and his power to his disciples. As you are sitting here today, understand that the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ has been delegated to you to go out and make disciples of all nations. He declared that you are the salt of the earth as a Christian, you are the light of the world. And He said, Make sure that your light is not hidden. Make sure that you, as salt, do not lose your saltiness. He appointed them to bring His redemption to all people from that moment on and as you're sitting in church that's the vision that God has for your life is to bring the redemption of God to all people from the moment that you know the Lord their success would depend on how much they were given over to make him known the message of salvation How how given over was the Apostle Paul to giving out the message of salvation? And you know, there's an incredible passage in Romans chapter 9 where Paul's talking about his love for his own people, the people of Israel, the Jews. And how desperately he wanted them to be saved, and he says this, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart wish that I myself was accursed, and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people those of my own race the people of Israel. theirs is the adoption to sonship theirs the divine glory the covenants, the receiving of the Lord the temple of worship and the promises theirs are the patriarchs and from them is traced the human ancestry of the, of the Messiah who is God over all forever praised, Amen It is not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Now what is Paul saying? He's saying that I, he says, I have this unceasing anguish in my heart. In fact, the the, the anguish is so severe that I wish I could be cursed for eternity. If I could swap places with him. His heart was so much for them that they would be saved, that they would know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that he was willing to swap places with them. That's what he's saying. That was the love that he had for these people. This is the attitude of a soul winner. They are desperate to see people saved. And Elijah was a man like this. And because of this, Elijah saved the nation. He saved the nation. He challenged and overcame 400 prophets of a false god. He challenged and overcame the army of his nation. He challenged and overcame the king of his nation. And he challenged and overcame the people of his nation with the power of God. But then the king's wife read. The king's wife read. And the demonic power around her must really have been something. And the next thing, he had to run away and escape with his life. Elijah, in that moment, discovered what needs to be the pit of depression. And maybe some of us, we've been living for this stuff, and, and and maybe we're sitting here, and we might not even have realized that but there's certain things going on we didn't know, we thought everything was fine and right now they're is speaking to us saying, yep, you're in the pit of depression right now. To listen to 1 King, chapter 19 verse 4 it says, while he went, while he himself went the day's journey into the desert he came to a boom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough Lord, he said. Take my life, I am no better than my auntie. Imagine this guy who said, Lord, rain down fire from heaven on this altar right now and show the entire nation that you are the true God. The same guy is now saying, Lord, please let me die. Now this is just an example. The Lord doesn't answer prayers that are not in his book. It was not that the will of God that Elijah died and so said, forget it, Ruth, I'm not killing you. Kill yourself. But my will is that you carry on. My will is that you will have a successor. My will is that after you the ministry will continue. But you know this prayer that Elijah prays, it really impacts me. It really hits me. From the heights of Mount Carmel, now he's sitting under a broom tree and he's asking God to take his life. The same one who said, Send a fire that the people may know that you are God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 18 verse 17. The same God who prayed that now says, Take my life, I can't continue. And I want to speak to those of us today who might be sitting here and you might be saying, Take my life, I can't continue. I'm not talking now to the one who might not be interested in those who do not know Jesus. I'm talking about the one who maybe was going all out for Jesus and now they've got into the place where take my life, I can't take this. This was a prayer that was coming from me. But Elijah, like all of us, it's parts: spirit, soul, and body. Prayer doesn't come from your body because your body finds prayer uh, boring. So the question is, was this coming from his spirit? Or was it coming from his emotions because of his situation? And always be careful of your emotions because your emotions exist in your soul. Your emotions can be affected by the spirit. They most definitely can. But they can be affected by a lot of other things, especially your circumstances. Here's the thing about Elijah. Elijah is not the only one who feels like that. Some of us are sitting in the service right now and we feel exactly like that. This has happened to leaders over countless generations, men and women of God who are feeling intimidated like Elijah did, that they often fall into depression. And all sorts of intimidation can go on you what do we do when through intimidation or circumstance or whatever's going on we fall into a a, a pit of depression the only thing that we can do from that situation is look to the Lord to receive a supernatural touch from almighty God if you look at Elijah yeah, he'd run away, he'd run away from his purpose through fear he'd actually run away and we can feel like that when we've tried the ministry and we've been hurt we've tried the ministry people have hurt us and now depression follows and and what ends up happening there is we get to a place where we live a life without a purpose and living life without purpose is hollow it's an empty life we should be filled on the inside we should be overflowing with the spirit but we have this emptiness on the inside of us so we come and we call out for a touch of god but you know sometimes one touch isn't enough sometimes we're so deep in the hole and sometimes we're so deep in the, in the darkness that one touch is not enough an angel came to touch elijah but the angel had to touch elijah twice when you go to read the story the angel had to touch him twice because he had fallen into depression. And he needed a touch that was more powerful than the ones that he'd already received and experienced up until that point he But he was open to God. And he was speaking to the Lord. He's telling the Lord about his feelings. He's telling the Lord about his, his frame of mind. He, he's saying to him, Lord, take my life. He's not taking his own life. And so he's open to what the Lord has to say. But, you know, the Lord blessed him and strengthened him. And the Lord gives him a word, but the first time the Lord gave him the word, he fell asleep. Imagine God gives you a word, and the next thing you're falling asleep. Because it hasn't moved. But even when you fall asleep, even when you don't have the strength to take it, God is still working. God is still working even when you aren't. that's how he ended up in this situation. But what he teaches us is that we need to respond to being downcast by turning to the Lord. It doesn't help to turn to your flesh. It doesn't help to turn, turn to your strength. Turn to the Lord. Turn to his word. The word of God is the most powerful thing that you have in your life today. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active. The Bible is alive, ladies and gentlemen. It is alive. And it is active. Like the active church. Come on, give the Lord a big shout of praise, someone. The Word of God is alive. Every time you read it, something new comes out to you. And it says, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates into the body's soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When asked, with the thoughts and attitudes of your heart judged by the Bible? with the thoughts and attitudes of your heart just by the word of God we too can hear the word given by God and receive it but we can fall asleep just like Elijah did when this happens we don't make progress rather we remain in the same place we remain in the place of anxiety and despondency then the angel came a second time and the angel said to him, wake up. Wake up, Elijah, because a long journey awaits you. Elijah, the Lord is not finished with you. Elijah, there's still a purpose for you to live for. Elijah, the, the Lord has the power to lift your spirit out of this, this pit. Elijah, the Lord has the light that is able to bring light into the dark places of your soul wake up Elijah but now it's decision time you see Elijah has to make a decision is he going to undertake the long journey that awaits him or is he going to remain asleep is he going to remain asleep because he feels bad, he feels depressed he feels stressed, he feels anxious he feels that if he goes out at any time, Jezebel can find him and that would be it or was he going to get up and march on to fulfill the, the divine purpose that God had placed in his life you see God can speak to you but you cannot receive God can give you marching orders but you can go back to sleep God can tell you to go out there into the world and fulfill the purpose of his life or you can stay in your room You can receive the word that God gives you or you can stay immobile. Or you can receive the word and you can get up and you can continue marching on. And at the church, has what I want to say to you today. No one else can ever choose you. You know, many times over the years, people have said, Pastor again. yeah. tell you it's not true there are so many people that I've spoken to and have ignored me so many people and then there are other people that I've spoken to and have listened. and here's what the issue is, when I speak I speak what the Bible says about this situation now if you hear the Bible or if you read the Bible and you don't do what the Bible says that's your choice there's no one else anywhere in the universe that can choose for you. When the Bible says these things that are in your life, they need to change. No one else in the universe can do that for you. When the Bible says that in those moments of darkness, you need to turn and you need to look to Him. No one else in the, in the world can decide for you because God Himself said He's not going to decide for you. He's giving you the choice. You have the choice. When, when the disciples were fishing all night on more than one occasion and they caught nothing. And Jesus came to them on two different occasions. And he said to them, "Throw, go over there and throw your net on the other side. No one forced them to throw their net on the other side. They had to choose to do what he said. And I want you to realize, before the miracle of God going to come into your life, you need to choose to do what God's telling you to do. It may not make sense. It may seem to have nothing to do with the situation that you're in. But before you experience a miracle of God, before you experience a touch of God, you need to do what He said. Because that's what's called faith. That's what's called faith. And you might be sitting there thinking, What are you saying? So if I'm depressed, I must go and win souls. Of course. You think the devil's not involved with your depression? Of course he's involved with your depression. You think there's not demonic activity going on as to why you feel down? I'm I'm sorry, I've heard lots of explanations from psychologists and psychiatrists and every sucker under the sun. And they cannot explain why. The best they can do is give you a coping mechanism. Because if you're just going to talk about chemicals and pills and all sorts of stuff like that, you can't explain the spiritual realm. You can't explain the supernatural. You can't explain why someone feels down and they don't know why. Their mind doesn't understand why because they don't know what's going on in the spiritual realm. They've been blinded by the enemy. And what is the thing that the enemy doesn't want you to do? Let me tell you the first thing he doesn't want you to do is to give your life to Jesus. And if you've given your life to Jesus, okay, there's nothing you can do about that. The next thing he wants to do is make sure you don't tell anyone about Jesus. Nothing freaks him out more than when someone gives their life to Jesus, nothing freaks him out more than when a lost soul becomes saved. Many times the enemy uses the pain that you've experienced against you. Sometimes the source is there. It's there in your subconsciousness. You don't even know what it is, but there's a a wound. It's a wound in your inner man, in your inner woman, in, in your soul, in your spirit. It's a spiritual wound. And nothing on the face of the earth can heal that pain. nothing can nothing we've spoken before about things like rejection why does rejection affect us so much I mean I've seen that in many people I've seen people who've been shot and people who've been stabbed and I'm telling you now that unless that that bullet wound or that stab wound kills them if they survive that that wound the wound of rejection is far worse than the physical wound they recover far better from the physical wound because it's deep down inside and they can come with all their theories and all their philosophies nothing takes that wound away but I want to tell you the blood of Jesus will I want to tell you that the blood of Jesus will take that wound away. The blood of Jesus is the living proof that you were always loved and wanted by God. The crucifixion stands there as a testament to fact. You are loved by Almighty God. You are loved with a love that cannot be described in words. I remember reading a book once. And the person who wrote the book said, how much does God love you? And he said, this much. And he referred to Jesus hanging on the cross for you. Jesus himself said, a person can have no greater love for you than this, and they gave up your lives for you. Jesus said, you are my friends, I'm giving up my life for you. I want you just to let that sink in a little bit. He said, I love you so much. You're a friend to me. I'm giving up my life for you. I'm letting every drop of my blood pour out onto the ground for you. And why is that so important? Because just one drop of this blood has the power to touch you and absorb all of the rejection and all of the pain to absorb what a Jezebel might have done to you. Someone might have come to you against you with a spiritual force, There might be demonic power involved. All sorts of things like that may be going on. But just one drop of the blood of Jesus can touch you, can heal you, can resolve the issue and can bring about a love explosion in your life so that you can enjoy the blessing of being a child of God. It is a blessing to be a child of God. It is the most powerful blessing there is. There is no blessing like it. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19 says this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, what do you mean I must receive Jesus to be saved from my sins? That's faith. But a God died in Israel, what, over 2,000 years ago, and that's going to cause me to go to it, doesn't make sense, doesn't matter. When you believe it, it's faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love that your roots go deep in the love of God that your roots sink deep, deep, deep into the love of God that you know the love of God because you live in the love of God because you experience the love of God and to know the love which surpasses knowledge the love of God is not something you can figure out It surpasses knowledge. The love of God is not based on what you feel. The love of God is not based on you. Christ loved you while you were a sinner. While you were using his name as a swear word, he died on the cross for you. While you were doing all sorts of terrible things, all sorts of things that are abhorrent to God. Jesus died on the cross for you. While you mocked another believer. While you gossiped about the believer, while you said terrible things about the church, while you might have been like the Apostle Paul, you may even have been killing people that served Jesus. He died on the cross for you. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Let me tell you something. If you know that, your life will change. If you know that, you will be able to forgive. If you know that, you will not be offended. If you know that, you will have the power to overcome the sin in your life. The amount that you understand and know the love of God is the amount, uh, or is the, is the amount that is going to determine to what extent you can be victorious over life. It's the amount that will determine how much are you able to love people that are hurting you. You know, Jesus said this terrible words, eh? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In other words, if you're in Kiev right now and you've got these Russians and they shoot you, pow, 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 pow. for them, their enemy is the Russian. Who's your enemy? shooting? Maybe it's emotional shots. Maybe it's shots of words or whatever at you. These tracer of, trace of bullets coming across the night sky. How are you going to have the power to love them if you're not healed on the inside? How are you going to have the power to love them if the love of God does not fill you to the brim? You won't have that power. It's a supernatural thing. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Man, may we be filled up to all the fullness of God. And I'm going to ask you all to stand. And right now, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to just sense the presence of the Lord. Just sense Him touching you right now. Just sense Him in the spiritual realm, massaging your heart with His love right now. Pouring the oil of His love over your wounds that are there on your heart. He's healing you of the rejection and the pain that is within your soul. He's applying the spiritual antibiotic, which is the blood of Jesus, the blood of restoration. You know, when they plunge the, the, the spear into the side of Jesus, the Bible says that blood and water float, indicating that Jesus died of a broken heart. His heart was broken, so yours doesn't have to be. He's touching you right now. And I'm going to ask you just to raise your hands and just to pray this after me say Lord today I accept the blood that was shed from your side and I declare that the power of your blood replaces my character with the fruit of your spirit thank you Lord because your blood has removed all fear and given me your perfect love Exchanging my bitterness for joy, my worry for patience, my ungodliness for your kindness, my evil for your goodness, my doubt for your faithfulness, my rebellion for humility, and my lack of self-restraint for self-control. I praise you, Lord. In Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want you just to stand there, just to continue to stand there. And if there is anyone here today, and I'm going to ask you just to come forward. And and maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe the wounds have taken you away from Jesus. And I'm going to ask you just to come forward. We're going to pray either way because we've got other sites. And even if you're at the site, I'm going to ask you to come to the screen. And if you're at home watching or listening, I want you to kneel before the screen. And if you need to give your life to Jesus, or you need to recommit your life to Jesus, then I'm going to ask you to come forward. You can start coming forward anytime right now. And what I want to tell you that God is saying something to you right now. That He's saying, Come, your eternal destiny is at stake. He's saying, Don't wait until later. You may not have later. And when you come into this altar, you come into an altar that sanctifies everything, every part of your life, every part of your body, every morsel that is inside of you. And when you come, what you're saying to God, you're saying, Lord, I want to live with you from now on. I want to be right there with you from now on. Lord, I don't want to live another day without you. Lord, I've done it up until now. I don't want to do it anymore. Maybe you're saying, Lord, I need to recommit to you right now. I've lost touch with you, Lord. I want to come back to you right now, Lord. I want to feel that love I once felt. Don't let something inside of you stop you from coming forward. Don't say, I can wait until later. I can do this maybe at home or wherever. Now you come to God now and you say, I want to submit my life to you right now. I want to submit to you at this moment because I don't want to live another day without you. And I want to know that one day when it comes time for me to to pass on into eternity, that I won't be alone, that you'll be with me. That your rod and your staff will be guiding me through that even at that time. That whenever my death comes knocking, I'll be ready because you'll be there with me. And so I'm just going to ask anyone else, if you need to come forward, just come forward right now. Yeah, or at one of the side, just come forward right now. We just want to pray with you. If there's anyone else, I just feel I need to ask it one last time. Someone just came forward. If there's anyone else. I'm going to ask you to place your right hand on your heart and just visualize Jesus. Just place your right hand on your heart now and visualize Jesus, especially those of you in the front. And I want you to remember right now that he died on the cross for you. And it's an incredible thing about that blood that he shed. There's a spiritual thing that took place. And that spiritual thing that took place over 2,000 years ago, that blood is still washing away our sins today. Because Jesus did it in the spiritual realm where there is no time. And so it's as if that sacrifice is being made for you right now, at this very moment, at this very second. And the Bible says that this Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever the same Jesus that died for you 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, on a hill outside Jerusalem. He did a work that stands once and for all for you right now. And the blood that He shed was the price that He paid for all of your outstanding debt with God because of sin. All of it is paid as long as you believe in Jesus, as long as you receive Him as your Lord and Savior, and as long as you are baptized in Him. And so we're gonna pray right now. And as we're praying, I'm asking you to see Jesus, see his blood washing your sin away. It's a faith thing to 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 just believe that and see that in your mind. See see his blood is just washing your sin away right now. And just repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong, and I renounce my life of sin. I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion and all my sin. Set me free from any sickness and pain. And I accept that my debt has been paid. There is no more outstanding balance with you. And I accept that you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And that by your blood I'm justified. You've made it as if I've never sinned. By your blood I'm sanctified. You're calling me to serve you. Lord, I want to serve you. And today I open the door of my heart. And I let you in. As my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. And giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.